We're in the midst of, well, we're doing a series this year based on the what are we building. And uh, we've had different uh, emphasis and Henry is going to introduce the next series. That's Henry Cairns Terry. So let's just welcome him. Give him a big round of applause. And uh, we're just going to, we're going to pray for him, pray for our hearts too. Um, thank you, Lord, for your presence here, that you're in the midst of us. And you've been in the midst from the moment we started putting the chairs out. And we thank you for your presence. And we pray as Henry shares from his heart what you've placed in his heart, that our hearts would be receptive and we would have ears to hear what you're saying to us, eyes to see, noses to smell, minds to digest, and hearts to understand. Amen. Morning. Morning. Uh, this, what am I going to say this morning, uh, started with a conference that we went to in Harrogate in July last year. Uh, we heard uh, Chris Vallotton talking about um, some of the stuff I'm going to uh, share this morning. Uh, Graham and I uh, looked at each other at the end of Chris's talk and thought we've got to start digging into this for Worcester and how do we bring some of what we were learning there uh, to, uh, to our city um, next please yeah. so we've talked a lot about winning Worcester and the world, we've put a lot of resources in over the years uh, winning the world Uh, We've supported missionaries and ministries in other places. We have uh, people just come back from New Hope in Uganda. Okay. Welcome home. So, but what does it actually mean uh, to win Worcester? What does that that look like? Uh, Worcester's been called uh, the faithful city. How do we see, how would we see Worcester... As a great city, what does a great city look like? Uh, Next, please. Here are some characteristics of a great city, as uh, Chris uh, outlined them to us. A great city is safe. A great city is prosperous. A great city provides excellent education, has a positive spiritual climate. Morale is good, has well-equipped medical facilities, Good recreation, honest government, takes care of the poor and needy, has a noble identity and purpose. Wouldn't it be wonderful to see Worcester display the characteristics of a great city and actually to be worthy of its long-time title of the faithful city? 
next, please. So if we're to help Worcester on its journey towards greatness, we have to understand our own journey. Next, please. So there's a couple of things that I think sit in the past of um, uh, all of us in this room that I want to talk about. Uh, Things which have uh, really, I think, do give us some problems. Uh, We've come out of an education system that really only rewards academic ability. And in our church lives, we've experienced something called the... um, uh, sacred uh, secular uh, divide. So, uh, so just looking at um, education traditionally focuses on academic s- subjects and it rewards people who have particular learning styles and can pass exams. It's also a system that uh, punishes dreamers. Uh, in, in my own education number of times you know I'd hear the teacher say Cairns Terry Major you're not going to get the answer by gazing out of the window and and by and large western education methods feed and develop the mind Uh, for example I was taught to distrust emotions it was all about the scientific method Could could I back up my arguments what I was trying to say certainly no room uh, for emotions uh, no room for the spirit either. No, no development of uh, spiritual life uh, or arts and creativity. Uh, I remember one conversation I had with somebody when I said, I mentioned perhaps unwisely that I quite liked poetry. <laughs> poetry? Poetry? We used to do things in our school to them as loved poetry. Uh, Next. So, there is one small problem, and it is that just because we have good qualifications, it doesn't mean to say that we'll be good at our jobs or actually that we'll be successful in life. History is full of people who uh, flunked out of education, dropped out of school, but actually went on to be enormously successful. Henry Ford, for example, did not have much in the way of a formal education, but he founded the Ford Motor Company, uh, revolutionized the motor industry, and invented mass production. Bill Gates and Mark Zuckerberg both dropped out of Harvard to start their businesses. And the sad fact is that education doesn't necessarily teach you what you need to know to be uh, uh, successful in life. Next, please. So, let's talk about the sacred and secular divide. This This is the idea that there's a holy part of our lives and then there's the rest. And the holy part of our lives is devoted to God and uh, that's where we should put our emphasis and put as much time. If you want to be more po- holy, you put more emphasis on that part of your life at the expense of all the rest. It's characterized by things like a professional uh, uh, clergy. Uh, you, you, you have your religious professionals. 
and the ordinary people, the lay people, uh, are second class. You, you kind of grow up in a, a, a culture where church is more important than your secular job. Take a job, any job. It doesn't really matter because it's all going to get burned up anyway. Um, and building, building the kingdom only happens through church. Uh, you know, if we could only get somebody to one of our meetings, uh, then that would be great. Everything would be okay. Well, maybe, but, you know, I think a lot of people get freaked out by our meetings. And uh, so maybe that isn't necessarily the way, uh, the, the only way to go. And we also grow up with this idea that the, the highest calling in life is to be a uh, full-time uh, Christian minister, whether a, uh, whether a missionary or a church leader. There's kind of this hierarchy that you go through. Oh, I'm a home group leader now. You know, before long I might one day be a church leader. And if I'm really good and keep my nose clean for 25 years, maybe I'll be an apostle. Uh, where did I go wrong? <laughs> but uh, next slide, please. But church isn't where we spend our lives. These are these are some of the where we spend our lives. And think of it: for a third of our lives, we're actually completely out of it. <laughs> Absolutely, completely out of it. Dead to the world. We're at work. For a third of our lives. Uh, we're at home, we're pursuing interests, we're playing sport, we're on holiday. These are is going. But in the traditional model of church, none of this counts. So next slide, please. We need a model of city uh, transformation that recognizes where we are spending our time. So we're very good at being the light of the church, but hang on, guys, we're supposed to be uh, the light of the world. We're not so practiced at that. Next slide, please. So we've got... I want to talk about... Well, there are basically really two models of transfer, transforming society. One I've called the prophetic model, uh, and it's, it's really an Old Testament model. It's uh, characterized by people like Elijah, who uh, prophesied uh, to Israel. We have Jonah preaching to the Ninevites, and we have John the Baptist. And you could characterize this model as standing outside society and throwing stones or, or, or lobbing hand grenades. Uh, it's, uh, it's, it's the Old Testament model, it's how it worked back then, and we should take note that actually one of John the Baptist's jobs was to close out uh, the Old Testament. What I want to focus on today is more the second one, which is about influencing from within, and Daniel is a good example of that. Daniel uh, was uh, an Old Testament prophet who influenced his society from within. He kept his head down, uh, for very many years, probably probably 40 years or more, and he served uh, four kings. And this is more the model of being like uh, yeast. Um, to what shall we liken the kingdom of God? It's like leaven, which a woman took and hid in three measures of meal till it was all leavened. 
Uh, I've been making bread recently. It's a, it's a lot of fun. Uh, and it's really quite remarkable when you when you put the mixture all together and you've kneaded it, you put it in a bowl, put some cling film over the top, and you're supposed to wait a couple of hours until it doubles in size, and it sort of doubles in size, and the cling film goes like that, and you think, oh, that's good. Then you knead it again, and you put it into the tins, and it's supposed to uh, rise uh, uh, rise again. It's not the resurrection. This is the dough. <laughs> this is... This is the second. This is the second rise. You know, I was doing. I was doing some current bread yesterday, and it took forever to rise. We're waiting for three hours. This stuff has really got to rise. Leave it, said Anita. Leave it. Leave it. It'll be all right. Just let it rise. You know, it's sort of getting dark outside, and I'm thinking we really, really ought to put this in the cooker soon. But actually, in the end, it did rise, and you know, a nice crumb, Mary. So uh, that was a that was a good result. But So this is the model where we get inside society and we influence it from within. We behave like yeast. Yeast in some ways gets a, a, a bad rap in the scriptures because uh, there is a negative aspect for it. But there's also this really positive aspect that if we, if, if we get on and live our lives in society as ordinary people, then we have an influence and that influence will completely transform uh, the, uh, um, the, uh, the, the world that we live in. So what we're really talking about is being effective where we are. And if we do that, then that is what will build Worcester into a great city. We're very familiar with um, Isaiah 61, which is the... Um, the famous scripture, the spirit of the Lord is upon me to, because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. This is the scripture that Jesus used to inaugurate his uh, ministry when he came out of his, um, uh, the temptations in the wilderness and stood up to read in the, in the synagogue. That was the scripture that he read from and he inaugurated his ministry with it. Um, when you get down to verse 4, you get to a verse that actually we, we haven't focused on much, and it says this, And they shall rebuild the old ruins, they shall raise up the former devastations, and they shall repair the ruined cities, the desolations of many generations. So what we're talking about is restoring ruined cities. We can see in any city in this nation the desolations of many generations. Church, it's time for us to pick up our God-given mandate to repair the ruined cities. And where are we going to start? We're going to start here. We live in Worcester. Okay. So... The truth is that it's okay to be who we are. You don't have to be anyone special to restore a ruined city. It's not the superstars or the religious professionals who will transform our city. It's people like us, like you and me, going about our everyday lives, our, our daily business, with a heart to love and serve without an agenda. You know, people don't like being a project. 
they don't like uh, uh, feeling that they're a target of a campaign. I used to work for a company called Ernst & Young, and every so often we'd have a sales campaign, got to get the word out into the market, get out and meet a few people. And people used to say things to me like this. They'd say, oh, are Ernst & Young having a campaign? And I'd say, yes, how did you know? Uh, and they said, well, every so often, three or four people from Ernst & Young will ring us up and ask for meetings. And we'll have a meeting. And then we don't hear anything from them again till the next campaign. And guess what? Clients who, well, prospective clients who said that to us didn't give us any business. Because did we care about their business? I'm not sure we necessarily did. We wanted their business. But, thank you. But people don't like being the target of campaigns. But if we have a completely different heart that says, we're here to serve, how how, how can we help? Then I think that's very different. So this is all about letting our light shine before men, that they may see our good works and glorify our Father in heaven. Uh, Next, please. Because ordinary people can change the world. I want to spend a bit of time on these two scriptures uh, because I think they're really significant. Uh, This first one is from Zechariah chapter 1. Then I raised my eyes and looked, and there were four horns. And I said to the angel who talked to me, what are these? And he answered me, these these are the horns, um, in other words, the nations that have scattered Judah, Israel, and Jerusalem. Then the Lord showed me four craftsmen, and I said, what are these coming to do? So he said, these are the horns that scattered Judah so that no one could lift up his head, but the craftsmen are coming to terrify them, to cast out the horns of the nations that lift their horn against the land of Judah to scatter it. So what are we talking about? Are we talking about religious professionals? Are we talking about great leaders? No, we're talking about craftsmen, people going about living their ordinary lives. And do you know what? If we do that, we terrify the enemy. Did you know, this is a Bible quiz, did you know that a craftsman was the first person in the Bible to be filled with the Holy Spirit? You did, well, so you saw saw the cheat sheet. Yes, I think it was probably you who told me about this, you see. I didn't, (laughs) this is not original research. Get over it, Henry, this is not original resource, research. The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, See, I have called by, called by name Bezalel, the son of Uri, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah. And I have filled him with the Spirit of God, in wisdom, in understanding, in knowledge, and in all manner of workmanship, to design artistic works, to work in gold and silver and bronze, in cutting jewels for setting, in carving wood. I can't do that. I know someone who can. Uh, and to work in all manner 
of workmanship, yeah. <laughs> uh, so you don't have to be a superhero. You don't have to be an amazing businessman. You don't even have to be a great preacher. Uh, you certainly don't have to be a relig- uh, religious professional. But you just have to be good at your job. Next, please. So what does that look like? It's all about how we do our jobs, how we treat people, the atmosphere that we carry. All of these affect the world uh, that we live in. Uh, And we don't go in and say, oh, I've got to... uh, I've got to treat you really well so that everyone will know that I'm a Christian. <laughs> You've just got to be ordinary, <laughs> be yourself. Uh, Jesus said, The harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send laborers into his harvest. You know what? I used to hate that scripture because... I just had this model of evangelism that you had to go and knock doors or be on the streets and stuff. And I hated doing that, uh, being uh, being out there on the doorstep. It just it just wasn't me. And do you know it wasn't fruitful anyway? I never, you know, multitudes didn't get saved at my door knocking. Uh, and so I came to hate that scripture. But if you put it in a different context, if you begin to see it as, well, the harvest field is all around us in our daily lives and our evangelism consists in being who we are, in the environments that we're called to, in the jobs, the lives, the homes, the cities that God has given to us, then that's an entirely different matter. So it's really important that... Our daily lives aren't just the dull bits between church meetings. Our daily lives are where we're supposed to be free. And we need to be commissioned to go and be who we are in the worlds that we, in the worlds that we have inhabit. To be commissioned to go out and serve, uh, to serve our city well, because then we will see our daily lives as being important, our daily lives as having significance and, and as, as being part of our service uh, to the Lord. And it's part of demonstrating what it looks like not to be conformed to this world, but being transformed by the renewing of our minds so that people can witness the transformation uh, that's, that's been going on. Next, please. And the tr- we could be sent into any one of these different areas. Arts, entertainment, business, education, family, government, media. Some of us are indeed ch- called into, into church leadership. And we've got people, if we, if we look around the room, we can see people who operate in most of these areas. So it's not about, being a good Christian isn't just about functioning well in church. It's about being who we are in all these, in all these different worlds, these mountains of culture as, they, as they're known, uh, where, where we could find ourselves uh, working. Next, please. 
So it's really important for us all to become who we are. And this is a, a lifelong journey. A lot of this becoming who we are uh, consists of getting rid of uh, baggage, uh, healing of wounds, discarding lies, getting forgiveness for past sins, reconnecting with the Godhead. It won't surprise you to know that a lot of this language is drawn from, uh, from Sozo. And can I just say this about Sozo? You don't have to be totally messed up to have a Sozo. There are kind of three kind of peop- people who come uh, to have Sozos. Uh, some are people who just want a health check, a bit of a tune-up. Is it all working okay? Am I, am I cool? You know, that's, that's great. Uh, or there might be another class of people who say, well, actually, uh, I've, I've got an issue I need to work through. So there is a presenting issue. I've got a blockage. I need to work through that. Or indeed, let's face it, you could be totally messed up. truth is I used to be totally messed up and I didn't even know it so and some people say well wasn't it all done at the cross well yeah it was totally all done at the cross there's nothing that Jesus will say oh crumbs if I'd only thought of that I'd have dealt with that too (laughs) no it's all it's true it was all done at the cross. Jesus bought and paid for our entire healing, body, soul, spirit, financial, social, whatever it is in our lives, Jesus dealt with it at the cross. But we still have to go through the process that Paul talks about in Romans 12 where he says, um, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds so that you may prove what is good and the acceptable and perfect will of God. You're in a process. We're all in a process. Okay. Uh, yeah, so my own journey. I was, uh, like Gerard Hoffman, I was born at a very young age. <laughs> I, I grew up in a village near Gloucester. I was sent away to um, boarding school aged eight and was kind of in that world um, in the Malvern Hills and then here in Worcester until age 19. Uh, My uh, primary love languages are affirmation and touch. So boarding school didn't exactly work out well for me. Uh, In my my quest for approval uh, and, and significance, I became very religious. Uh, I, as some of, you, some of you know, I've said this before, I played the organ, I sang in the choir, I rang the bells, you know. I should at least, I'm doing all the right stuff, I should get to heaven on points. So, and I have done, I've done no major sin. Um, during those years, I caught glimpses of Jesus, uh, but I couldn't say uh, that I really knowed, uh, knew him. Um, I was actually I was actually saved at university, uh, but I didn't really start dealing with my stuff 
uh, for about uh, for about uh, 20 years. Uh, I I got some counselling at work for various issues, and that helped a lot. Um, I had some God encounters um, during those sessions, which was really random, actually. Because I, I said, oh, wow, that was profound. And the counselor said, yeah, I could tell. <laughs> so that, that, that was good. But then um, I had a word from Steve Dobson, um, who um, many of you will remember. Uh, Steve said to me that I was like a piece of wood that was completely encrusted with different layers of paint. And that paint had been applied over many years by different people and represented their expectations of me. So, Henry, we want you to be like this, do this. This is what you do to be a great Christian. Oh, okay. This is what you do to succeed at work. Yeah. If you want to get a promotion, you've got to do this. Oh, okay. And the truth was that the original grain of the wood of me, the meanness of me, had been completely obscured. And I think a lot of us can identify with that and have been through uh, the, those kinds of experiences. So then I was in process. We, um, uh, Anita and I both went through a process called Restoring the Foundations, uh, which is an excellent ministry. Um, and one of the things that happened to me in that was um, uh, getting, out of, uh, getting out of my prison because there are, there, are, there are things that we're captive to. You know, other people lock us up, but there's things where we lock ourselves up uh, by, in, in my case, judgments that we've made against ourselves. And the bolt is on the inside with that kind of stuff. And I, in, in the midst of this process, I had this picture of myself absolutely doubled over in a, in a dungeon, in a tiny little cell that can't have been more than about four foot by four foot. And it was, it was, it was extremely painful because though the cell represented the judgments I had made about myself. Uh, and the worst of it was, was that every single one of those judgments was true. And how, how do you get out of that? Well, those judgments are all about how I saw myself and how I had boxed myself in. But Jesus came into that picture and he led me out of the prison, right out beyond the castle walls into this wonderful landscape where I could see the whole of the country around and that, that experience was absolutely transformational for me. There were other experiences. Uh, I had my first Sozo during the course of uh, our setting up, beginning to set up the uh, Sozo ministry in Worcester. And there was part of me that had been just totally frozen in childhood because of various expense, uh, experiences. And... And I suddenly grew up. I saw myself grow up from a, from a small child to a full-grown man in that area in my life. It was wonderful. Uh, the latest I had just a few days ago, I learned a lot of other stuff 
about myself. Like music, well I already knew that music is an important part of my life, but it's actually a significant part. And you know what's great about it? When I, when I was a child, I used to do music in an effort to be somebody. Now, when I do music, it's because I am somebody, and an it's an expression of who I am. Where's it going to lead, Henry? I have no idea at all. But I'm working hard at it. So, what will your story look like? Where are you in your journey? What's going on in your life? Are you ready to be commissioned to be fruitful in your world? Or is there some stuff that you need to get free of? So I've said all I want to say, but I do want to provide an opportunity for anyone who feels that they like, like prayer in any area, things they want to get free of, recover a sense of purpose, recover a sense of significance. Uh, I give that invitation and the, um, uh, the prophetic team are, are ready to pray. Uh, if, if anyone would like to come forward to the worship team, We'd like to return and we'll give that opportunity for personal ministry. Thank you.